tyranny was broken by the sins of the father, and his shepherds finally ceased to roam, seeking instead the simple peace found in the comfort of heart and home. All eyes now turn to his heir and son, who forged their home with his power. Will he be strong enough to lead them in this, their darkest hour? Hello and welcome back to The Lost Tribe, Darkest Hour. As always, I am the author and your humble narrator, Peter Ivey. If you're enjoying this podcast, please like and follow to keep me bringing the story to you. Thank you very much for listening, and let's begin. Chapter 30 Henry de and Jules stopped just inside the city gates. The sprawling expanse of cathedral lay before them. Great stone buildings with stained glass windows, copper slate roofs, and luring gargoyles were overlaid with iron steam pipes of reinforcing iron skeletons, which sheathed some of the more crumbled edifices. The streets were very clean and cobbled for the most part. In some places, large pieces of sheet metal were bolted and flattened over holes where time had reduced the street to rubble. Garish red lamps pulsed slowly in the shadows of the buildings, hung from posts along the streets. Some buildings were touched by a spidery series of walkways that ran over them, in between and sometimes through them, leading to wide circular bases that were supported by the buildings they sat atop. Graceful skiffs with large copper propellers at the top of a central mast floated above the city, carrying passengers to and from various destinations, alighting onto the bases as stations. They varied in size, but many were large enough to carry nearly a dozen passengers and one or two operators. There were a few that looked as if they were made for maybe one or two passengers, and those were much more elaborate than large skiffs that carried so many. Henry seemed to be watching those with great interest, and keeping a steady pace towards a nearby alleyway. Did you say that you just killed some people? That's right, Henry said, ducking into the alley. Jules and Takum joined him. Henry ditched his heavy robe and wrapped it around the disc that he rode in on. He took a few odd bits from inside his jacket and began assembling them. Takum nodded at Jules and did the same with his robe and disc. Jules followed suit but didn't take her eyes off Henry. He looked up at her and shook his head. He kept putting his device together as he spoke. Ah, yeah, here we go. And you see, my granddam, she was a cruel bitch and my parents followed her lead without question. Yeah, that goes there. She was a true believer in the grand design and people like me don't exactly fit in with those ideals. One second. <sighs> yeah, there we go. In other words, a machine that doesn't reproduce is, by its very nature, defective, at least to them. His voice trailed off slightly. His left hand shook as he tried to fit two pieces of the device together. Takum reached over and steadied Henry's hand with his own. After she castrated me, the rest of the family disowned me. They left me to rot outside the city wrapped in a tarp. I crawled for hours in pain, trying to keep under the tarp as the chemicals in the air ate away at me. The tarp dissolved away from me after a while, and I was left defenseless. My skin was so badly burned when some travelers found me that the women in their party wept at the sight of me. I think I was just about dead at the time. Then, I think I did die. Yeah, here we go. I remember the pain receding and the cold coming in to fill the spaces where I hurt. That was when the power surged up in me, taking over and showing me the infinite possibilities of what I could do with what was inside me. I sense it was the same with you. The very same. Jules replied. It showed me. It showed me how to destroy those that hurt me. Yeah, we're not that different in that sense. 
Not long after I recovered, I paid a visit to the old family homestead of Davenant. I was armed with the most vicious array of weapons. I annihilated the guards, mortally wounded a few of my cousins who I had not remembered fondly, and reduced my sadistic bitch of a granddam to ashes. I left the rest of my family with a lasting impression that if I ever saw them again, I wouldn't hesitate in doing the same to them. I left the city after that and wandered the worlds until Takuma and I found each other. And here I thought all of you were the good guys, Jules mused. Well, if it makes any difference to you, my balls didn't grow back. Jules' eyebrows shot up. Takuma put one huge hand over his face and shook his head slightly. Look, I think the darkness stuck around in all of us when we were made. and influenced us in one way or another. Before the fight with Manon, Mick drew it from each of us to use against him. His plan worked, I mean, sort of. I'll always be grateful to him for what he did been taking it out of me and Takum. I'm not saying that the darkness made me kill his people, but it definitely didn't dissuade me from doing it either. That makes sense. But what happens now? Each family has a specific symbol that each member is branded with, part of it uniquely detailed in to denote the individual. I've tried to get rid of it, but it keeps growing back. Those breakers back there would have detained us if I hadn't showed it to them. As you may have guessed, I became pretty notorious after what I did. The guards no doubt knew my symbol on sight. So why are we walking free? Because, Takum rumbled, the breakers know to leave vengeance to those who are wronged. They will be hunting us now. Henry clicked the last piece of the device into place, and a dull green light shone from within a windowed chamber, illuminating a long-barreled pistol with a notched slider on one side and a knob on the other with various shapes along the edge of its rotation. There was a triangular sight at the end of the barrel. Henry reached into his jacket and took the little pistol that he had holstered there. He tucked it into a pocket and stuck the huge weapon he had assembled into the holster instead. You just couldn't let it go, could you? Takum said, smiling at Henry. You think I'd go walking willingly without a real weapon into a city of people who are more likely to kill me on sight than whistle a jolly tune? Heh, <laughs> not me. People who go thus armed expect trouble. Often find it. Henry shrugged. Eh, we're here now. I got us inside, Jules. It's your turn. Where are we going? Someplace that Jack kept calling the Grinder. Always got the impression that it was somewhere underground. Noisy, and he seemed pretty sure that we'd always be safe there. Henry gritted his teeth into Coombe grimaced. What? It's a dangerous little hangout directly under the core, near the main engine that runs all the machines in the city. It's very noisy down there, and dark. The grinder is one of the many little hidden places that operate the depths. Most of the citizens don't know about it because it's in the maintenance level of the city. They only know when it doesn't work, and the air gets bad or the steam stops pumping. How do we get there from here? I came over the walls last time, as I said. Well, I'm sure that if we go the whole way through the streets, that will be caught by someone seeking my death. Takuma isn't the most inconspicuous of people, after all. I am standing right here, Takuma growled. Hmm, I know, big man. I know. So where do we need to go? Henry bowed his head in thought. Eh, uh, about ten minutes away, he said after a moment or so. The way in isn't guarded. It should lead us the whole way down. That seems too easy. Uh, the way to the grinder will be through the dark, and there are a lot of places for people to hide. A lot of the city's criminals and exiles are down there. I would have ended up there if things had gone different. So, either we get ambushed up here, or mugged down there. Henry patted the holstered pistol. Isn't it great to have options?
Chapter 31 The dog walked into the darkness of the trader's road without any hesitation. I hoped the others were having better luck than I was at reaching their goal with due haste. What was I trying to prove here? I knocked the overhanging ice down with the flat of my hand and stepped down inside. The darkness within was interspersed with spots of weak light from outside where the ice had fallen away to reveal the gazing depths of the wound outside. It was very quiet in here, frozen and still. I would have to watch my step. Who knows how weak the path is in some places, or if the way was clear enough not to trip me up. I raised my hand and enveloped it in green fire to light the way. So what are you, anyway? Bird? Dog? Weird spider thing? Is Henry Wright saying that you don't really have a fixed form? I don't really expect an answer, mind you, but it would be great to have someone to talk to. The dog turned to me and whimpered and barked, motioning us to go on with his nose. <sighs> I get it, you mutt. I said, picking up my pace as much as I could. Not being human, I understand how you may not get the notion us human beings, or close enough to it to matter in most respects anyway. Like a little bit of back and forth when confronted with scary or just real unpleasant situations. Get our mind off things, you know. Ugh! My hand illuminated a section of the mountainside. The frozen remains of two men were crammed into the broken stone, and had frozen solid there, twisted together and well-preserved. Their flesh was blue-black their eyes gray and their mouths open an eternal scream. This was the legacy of the chieftain's wrath, his litany of murder that lined the road. These were the damned. I kept well away from them as I passed by. I knew they were long dead, but all the same, you don't want to take any chances in a universe with all its fun and variable dangers. Yeah, this would be the moment that you could say something comforting or, you know, wag your tail, lighten the mood. Uh, dogs do that, you know. The dog ignored me, keeping its pace. As we moved along, there were more and more of the frozen men in the walls. I tried not to look too close. This place was lousy enough already without giving those poor bastards a thorough inspection. I started to feel what maybe the damned had felt coming through here. The hopelessness, the great sense of emptiness that lived in here like a hungry ghost, denying the possibility of warmth or comfort. The place devoured all the good feelings you could summon, reducing them to fragile wisps in the face of its insurmountable gloom. What the hell am I talking about? There's something here. Something with real power. Something like us. A sigh. Low and sad. On the edge of weeping and wailing. What's that? I stopped. My feet nearly stuck to the ground in front of me. It was hard to move forward. The dog started barking at me, a low growl punctuating each series of tirades. But it wasn't barking at me. Not at all. Cold lashed at the left side of my face, pushing needles of aching agony into my skin. I tried to pull away, but something, but something held me. Ugh! I tried to reach out with my power and fight it, but there was something pushing back. The dog leaped past me and struck something off to my left. It flew back very suddenly, yelping in pain as it stumbled back against the crumbling outside wall. It skittered to a halt, and its mass increased as it dug its heels in. It grew a foot taller, nearly two feet longer, becoming a black wolf with wide paws and long claws. Its growl was much deeper now. What is it like to stand outside? The voice was low and familiar. I twisted my hand to the left to look, clenching my fists as I felt my power seriously start to push back. I saw her as much as felt her then. The woman hung frozen in the wall, her limbs crushed by stone and her body caked in ice. Her skin was just as black as the others, but she wasn't screaming. She was smiling. Can you feel that nothing 
Can you taste your death with each moment? With each breath? I know you. You know all of us, Mick. And we want you to join us. The wraiths were here. Flesh the mother monsters had returned to a role on the other side, from what Casey had described. They were somehow creating their own space here, their own pocket of hell. Falkir had done the same thing in the tunnel at Kamal, cutting me off from my power and feeding me pure, undiluted madness. The wolf howled as a wave of cold rode out across both of us, and Flesh cackled in her frozen shell. The mountain rumbled, and little chunks of the roof of the cave fell off, sending plumes of snow down over our heads. Behind and in front of me, the walls cracked and blew outward. I dropped to one knee and drew my sword to lean on as the crumbling continued. The air was full of ice crystals and streams of snow tumbled in from the openings on the roof. I looked to my side. Flesh's vessel had fallen from its cold tomb and had been buried in the rubble on the floor. Through the debris, I could see her dead face smiling, her eyes lit up with a cold, cobalt glow. The wolf sprinted over to me, growling and shaking the ice from his dark fur. He circled me, continuing to growl as the tremor subsided. There was movement in the tunnel behind and in front of us. I had seen this trick before. Oh, come on, Flesh. These poor bastards were damned already. And so are you. The light went out of her eyes and I felt something I couldn't see move away from us. A surge of power that took some of the feelings of dread with it. Flesh had left me to play with her new toys. How generous. Through the dim light of the tones, I could see the forms of the damned moving. They stumbled and limped forward on frozen limbs, some missing arms or legs lost in their initial slaughter. The wolf flew at the first of them that came into view from the front, a blur of darkness that tackled the monster to the ground. I was on my feet now, turning to address a pile of frozen flesh, bones and furs that reached out with its claws to tear at me. I removed its hands with the cut from left to right, and swept back through and down, taking it off at the angles. It had barely fallen when two more came through. I brought my blade up, bisecting my foe from groin to shoulder. Its companion moved to seize my blade, but I brought the heft of it down on its flat edge to smash its head to bits. I spun around as icy hands seized my shoulders. The wolf had torn apart two of the damned It was tearing at the leg of another as that one pulled at my cloak. I impaled it on my blade and hoisted it back to throw into the oncoming mass of the others behind me. So far, I hadn't ignited my blade. These creatures were weak enough that I didn't need to. It seemed like they were trying to stall me. The ones behind me were trying to get over their wounded comrade. I cut them apart as they tried to do so, making a bigger pile of them dead. Dead again, anyway. I turned to face another group that had pushed through the wolf to get back to me. I bashed the first one across the teeth of my hilt, knocking him back and sending a shower of black frozen bits to spray against the wall. I kicked the next one over and cut the hand off the one beside him. I looked over at my shoulder to see a small gang form up behind me. This is enough. I turned and let a surge of power come flowing through Hearthblade. The arc that I described hit them all at chest level, casting their faces in a nasty green light as they were consumed. I swept upward and began hacking at the roof of the tunnel in front of where they were climbing through at me, channeling power into my strikes. After a few good hits, that part of the tunnel started to collapse, and I skidded back a couple steps as things started to give way. The tunnel collapsed on them. Good. As I turned to address the foes in front of me, I heard a hideous groaning in the tunnel behind me. I looked down at the wolf and smacked him on the shoulder. CHARGE! I screamed at him. I ignited my blade with more lethal flame and drove the dam forward, hacking at them madly. I realized I overdid things a bit when the tone behind me fell apart completely. 
the weight of the rubble breaking through the floor. I watched the dam go cascading down into the wound along the ten feet of the tunnel. Eh, nobody's gonna come through there anytime soon. Sorry about your freaky haunted landmark, guys. The wolf was at my side, suddenly trying to get my attention. He pulled up my cloak as I hacked at the dam in front of me. I moved back in time to see a pair of wicked-looking black blades slice through the space in front of me, beheading one of the damned. A warrior in black furs and a cloak stepped over the corpse, his pale skin luminous in the gloom. The face of my old enemy loomed up at me and repeated itself many times in the darkness behind the first warrior. They were all similarly armed and clothed. Flesh's distraction was done, and now came the true threat. Thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. Keep sharing and subscribing to help me keep bringing the story to you. Come back next week for the next episode of The Lost Tribe, Darkest Tower.